and welcome to Say Hi to the Future, a podcast aimed at highlighting the human side of ingenuity, clever, inventive, and original thinking. My name is Ken Tenser, CEO of SpiderWorks, a leading business consultancy for mid-market organizations and entrepreneurs globally. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. Returning today to Say Hi to the Future is Amy Wu, an award-winning writer, founder, and creator of From Farms to Incubators, a multimedia platform that uses documentary, video, photography, and the written word to tell the stories of women leaders and innovators in ag tech. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show. Amy Wu, welcome to Say Hi to the Future. Thank you for having me. Thanks for having me again. Hey, and I should actually say welcome back as we had a wonderful discussion about a year or so ago. And we talked at the time about From Farms to Incubators, and I think it will be great for our listeners to to just take them back to what Farms to Incubators is and a little bit about your journey into um, agritech. Yeah, Farms to Incubators um, started out as a... an initiative and project. Um, Actually, it started accidentally when I was a reporter in Salinas, California, uh, back in 2016. I was assigned to cover local government and agriculture back then and for a local newspaper. And I don't come from a background, Ken, in agriculture. I don't come from a farming family. And it was my first time in Salinas. Actually, I had never visited there before. But what I did observe was that uh, agriculture is a huge industry there, needless to say, almost $10 billion. Um, a lot of the leafy greens that we eat in here in the U.S. are produced in Salinas. And on the other hand, I also observed that there's not there were not a lot of women leaders at the helm, at least visibly in the world of food and farming and agriculture. Um, I attended meetings, um, you know, ag meetings where it was mostly um, mostly men, mostly male dominated, didn't see a lot of women like myself. And I think a lot of people were looking at me almost like maybe I had gone to the wrong meeting. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, so I, I kind of took all that in and, and, and observed and thought about it, reflected on it. And then, you know, as with a lot of good things in life, it's, it comes accidentally and it's good timing. It's like when the timing all hits together at once. <laughs> so I say the constellations align because, um, there was also a grant from the International Center for Journalists looking for stories of minority women business owners. And I, I don't know if at the time I dreamt this, but I thought ag tech, agriculture, ag tech startups. Well, there must be women, right? Are there women of color launching these? So I wrote a proposal and said, I'd like to profile a few. And, and it, I got it. And then it was like, oh, wait a minute, now I have to go find them. (laughs) So that started a search and a journey at the end of 2016. I did find um, several women, including Lei Wong of Red Melon, Trace Genomics founders, uh, Diane Wu, not related to me, and Pornima Paramesferwan, Trace Genomics again. And I found um, Pam Marone, who is uh, one of the you know, one of the leaders, I suppose, in, in terms of uh, pioneers of women leaders in ag tech, she launched the company Marone Bio Innovations. And all of that started uh, and created a video uh, of documentary called From Farms to Incubators. And then to kind of fast forward, it was very successful. It was shown shown and screened. And I could have put away the project at, at that point and just said, that's it. 
nice documentary. People didn't know about women who create innovations for farmers. But I got more and more phone calls and emails from uh, various people who just said, you really need to speak with this woman who co-led this company. What about this woman who's investing in companies in this area? And it just felt like a whirlwind, but very positive because at the time there were not a lot of women in the field. So we're talking about 2016, 2017, 2018, when ag tech was this foreign word, it might as well be some vocabulary right. from Star Wars. So I really welcomed it. And I said, well, what, what a great opportunity as a storyteller to be able to amplify their stories. And maybe I should write a book. And what about an art exhibition? The creative part of me came out and emerged and said, why not use storytelling and art as a way to bring to the forefront a really important issue that we need more women leaders in agriculture and in the food systems. And we need more women in ag tech. In 2020, there was an art exhibition at the Steinbeck Center in Salinas. Different artists, photographers, uh, per portraying some of the women in the film and also kind of having their own rendition of celebrating women in ag tech. Then a year later, I mean, uh, I in 2021, as you know, the book that I wrote came out and it's it, it's gone into its second printing. I've probably done hundreds of talks with this. So I believe that's a, where we left off about a year ago is that, you know, there were three major things, a film, an art exhibition and a book that were published about women leaders in ag tech. I, you know, I guess that kind of catches up some of the listeners or the audience to where I left it off about a year ago. I went on a big book tour throughout California, um, went to some universities, spoke at universities that were in ag centric areas like Cal State Stanislaus. They have a really good ag program, spent a couple days there. I met a lot of really wonderful people along the way who either are fascinated with this topic of ag tech and say, my gosh, I've never heard of this. And, or folks who say, how can I get into this field? Yeah. Or and other it, people who frankly are just like uh, farms to incubators. What is that? What, what, what does incubators right. mean? So I get asked a lot of different kinds of questions. Yeah. So, the, you know, first, thanks for catching us up. Second, I want to, you know, you, you talk about a book, you talk about a documentary, but the documentary has been screened hundreds of times, including the United Nations Association Film Festival. Yeah. So I think it's important to say that the work that you've done has made an incredible imprint already, you know, on, on ag tech and on agriculture in general. So over, you, you mentioned starting in 2016, you mentioned how busy you've been. It seems to me that agriculture itself must be going through this incredible transition, which has opened the door to ag tech. I mean, Simply put, you know, a lot of people don't love working with their hands anymore. And I, I, I know that there's <laughs> modern equipment. I know there's technology. But, you know, just in that sense, making food, farming food to, to be produced does not seem to be a number one go to for this next generation. Yeah, I mean, this is true. I mean, um, that, you know, farming is a hard is basically hard labor. It's it's still in many ways very labor and physical, physically intensive, you know, um, everything from operating the equipment to getting on the equipment on the tractors to the, the sequence of seeding, of harvesting, of irrigating, fertilizing, 
everything about it is still pretty physical, despite the fact that it has technology has has always played in the past hundred years an important role in, in agriculture. Ag tech itself, you know, in the past decade and especially over the past several years has really just ballooned in terms of the actual use on farms like farmers are using blockchain right and companies are using blockchain to track food for example or using artificial intelligence to take photographs of the fields but there is this concern that yeah um who who is going to be growing our food like with the in terms of generational aspect of it so i think that really connects very closely with farms to incubators and the heart of it in that why is it still continuing you know, after a book is right. published, after a film is done, what is the greater vision or is there a greater vision for this project? And it really is to um, send out a message to young people. And I don't want to put ages to young people because people could be young at heart or <laughs> have useful <laughs> dreams, which is which is great as well. I highly encourage that. But to send out the message that agriculture is not just tractors and overalls. I mean, right. it is tractors and overalls, and yet it's also research, it's data, it's analytics, it's input, it's optimization, it's investment, it's opportunities in investment, it's marketing, it's storytelling, it's communications. Like every field that you can think of at a college or university connects to some extent with opportunities in, in ag tech specifically, and so that's why I've been I've been specifically trying to target colleges and universities and younger young people and and share these stories with them, because then I see their eyes get really big and they often go, really? I didn't know that. Like, I thought it was just like working in the fields. And I said, if you want to work in the fields, great. There's so much opportunity in the fields, but there's other opportunities, too. So this is what has continued to, to drive me is to really try to inspire the next generation. I mean, I've, I've got spent time in some cities and regions where it's very ag centric, like Central Valley, California, right. Fresno, very ag centric region. I think a lot of the younger people there grew, some of them grew up with families in ag, their parents, grandparents, and they were working in packing houses and fields. And this is their association with agriculture. But what about the next generation, the new opportunities that it's knowledge based, right? So. Right. In other words, they want to stay maybe in in, in um, the Central Valley. They want to be close with their family, their friends. They're interested in agriculture. So why not consider opportunities in kind of a new, a new, new and growing field that also pays them a good salary? You know, and it's well needed. We all need to eat and there's a great need for food production. So. I don't know if I answered your question, but that's what's driven yeah. um, the continuation of the second phase, I think, of really from farms to incubators, which is uh, mentorship, education and intergenerational mentorship. And, and are there a couple of things, Amy, that I mean, you've, you've, you've mentioned, you've alluded to blockchain, you've mentioned, alluded to, uh, to AI and their roles. Are, are there a few companies or a few examples you can give us that are, are just breakthrough applications of, of ag tech? There are there are so many ag tech companies out there and ag tech startups. I still think that it's a big space for startups and early stage startups. But, you know, without uh, mentioning any names, I would have to say that there are numerous good companies now that actually use um, machine learning, you know, in the products that they uh, they 
they have, you know, and these, and what are the, what is machine learning? Machine learning is uh, often broken down as artificial intelligence to some aspect or blockchain is an example of how it's used. And where I think it's most useful for farmers is in actually capturing what I call input, you know, either capturing the photograph of the field, the aerial photograph of what is in that field, what's in that soil, then taking that data and analyzing it and giving it back to the farmer and saying, this is what we found out, for example, about your soil. <laughs> you know, right. your soil is not as healthy as you thought it was in this area. Maybe you want to consider how much fertilizer to use there, or maybe you want to reconsider uh, how much to irrigate there. And what is the impact of that for the farmer is cost savings and efficiency because fertilizer is very expensive. Uh, so is water in many places, right? Where they're mm -hmm. facing a drought. So I think the more accurate information that's given to the farmer through these new kinds of innovation, the more that it can save the farmer time and and money. I, I would say that if I were to highlight some of the, the hot areas in ag tech that I really am more interested in, I think it's more in the machine learning area. It's more in the ag tech that focuses on soil health, you know, whether it be testing or whether it be sort of managing the soil. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm also, I also really love to see what kind of uh, 22nd century quote unquote robot robots they're going to create for um, potential harvesting. You know, there are some right. very sensitive fruits that could probably use some very, very high tech robots. And this isn't to replace human labor. This is where it comes into a new generation. I think a new generation uh, needs to learn the skills to understand and operate those kinds of innovations. But it sounds pretty incredible because, I mean, in, in one sense, you're talking about obviously how to optimize farming and food production um, through the use of technology. In another way, it, it, it's better care for the land that we live on. Um, <laughs> well, that's just an excellent, really astute point. I mean, that's so true. That's really true. I mean, especially with um, climate change and, and soil erosion. And I keep mentioning soil health and biodiversity. But yes, that's where, quote unquote, ag tech can really be beneficial, I think, to the health of the soil and also to, to get to get farmers to think about how they want to take better care of the soil they have, you know, rather than just yeah. say, I have like, you know, 20,000 acres and I'm going to be able to use these 20,000 acres to grow forever. It's right. It's not going to happen if you don't take good care of it. So yeah, Farms and Incubators, second version, you talk a little bit more about community, a little bit more about bringing the next gen together, doing a lot of yes. talks. Yeah. You've also been a little further afield. I mean, you, you were in Iceland recently, I believe, <laughs> visiting a tomato farm. So how, how, yeah. how did that come about and how is Farms to Incubator taking that next step internationally or globally? As I said earlier, a lot of the, maybe the best things to things in life are not uh, always planned, at least as kind of de defined my, my, my career. <laughs> so uh, I'll, I will start with Iceland and kind of share that I recently came back from uh, Iceland and it has been a long planned, long awaited trip that I took on a personal level with some family. And I had a surprise opportunity 
to be also taken to a tomato farm, which was something that I did not expect to be taken to in Iceland because in Iceland it's so cold there, five degrees almost every single day. And, uh, you know, only four hours of daylight. So uh, I had a chance to see one of their tomato farms in a greenhouse and just huge, beautiful greenhouses. I mean, I'm talking about uh, 4,000 plus square feet and inside the greenhouse, 26 varieties of tomatoes. And I think what was interesting to me was that, well, one big thing that was really interesting is that they actually had a tremendous, a big, beautiful restaurant that was kind of woven in there. So consumers, visitors could sample the tomato soup, actually, and could also see how the tomatoes were grown, could connect with the growers and the family is family owned. But also they explain a bit about the technology and innovation they use on the tomato farm. Everything from the lighting to monitoring every single tomato that's grown there. I mean, tremendous amount of tomatoes. Right. And they don't have a lot of staff. And it's family owned. So and how they watered and the irrigation, they're using um, uh, new kinds of uh, machines and technology for that as well. So I could see that in Iceland, you know, which is a tiny country in terms of population, they also have a great interest in learning about ag tech as well and in having extending that conversation. So where does this go with Farms to Incubators Chapter 2, or I should say Phase 2, is that it started in California where it's not a bit, it's not a surprise because California is a leader in agriculture. Right. But what has surprised me along the way is that ag tech is being so rapidly embraced and adopted across the country in places that you would have never imagined. Like there's going to be an ag tech conference in Montana later this, mm-hmm. <laughs> later this month sponsored by the government. I mean, huge statewide, you know, we're talking about. So Hawaii, you know, it's first statewide ag tech conference as well. And then if traveling internationally, like I said, uh, some countries like Singapore have very quickly, openly adopted agri-food tech and now are a leader in that. But then in countries like Iceland, I wouldn't have expected it. So this is global and we, um, well, all I can say is we need more people to write these stories because there it seems to be multiplying um, and just very rapidly. This was not the case back in 2015 and 2016 when it was still tiny. Now it seems like it's just it's growing very rapidly. And the kind of agriculture um, and ag tech is now extended to aquaculture, you know, uh, you know, um, fishing. Um, and also uh, various kinds of horticulture, but also in areas like cannabis, um, you know, we're talking, you know, vineyards, so livestock. So I would say that the next phase would be to write and incorporate more different types of technologies, but also extend the kind of agriculture that we cover. One more thing I want to say, Ken, that you brought up was community. And I think that is probably highlighted and bolded for why it still exists. Women um, are still saying that they seek a community where they can connect with other women in ag tech. There's still not enough um, women leaders they find or even female investors Mm -hmm. or investors interested in ag tech companies led by women. There's still a, a long ways to go. You know, I've been really working hard to try to find ways to connect people 
And I found that the book is one way. I mean, literally, some people have called me up and said, can you connect me with chapter eight? <laughs> and I'm wow. like, what are you talking about? Oh, oh, her. Yes. You know, so that's like one way to use film and to use book to connect people. But also this coming year, really looking to have some um, gatherings and some networking events to connect um, women with women, but also women with maybe investors, you know, women with also mentors. So we're hoping to to somehow find partners to do more of that as well. So, so why do you think there's been that barrier um, for women in, in, in the areas of, of agriculture then? I think it's tradition, you know, it's just it, it, we history, you know, what has been um, has been passed down from generation to generation. I mean, in the U.S. being for a long period of time, an agrarian society, you know, where the farms were owned by by grandfathers passed down to their uh, sons, to men and to boys. And it's a very physical profession still is like that out in the field, actually, with the machines. I increasingly see a generation maybe in their 20s and 30s here. At least I see it in uh, Hudson Valley, New York, where there's a certain group of young people who want it, who choose it for their lifestyle. They actually say, I want to get into agriculture. I want to farm. I want to right. use agriculture to lead a very sustainable lifestyle and to grow local, to eat local, to promote the community. So that's a positive sign. I just think it's a real problem when we don't have the land though, to yeah. necessarily, um, give them or rent them where they can pursue that lifestyle. It's very expensive. Farming is also really expensive as well. And I also think when it comes to invest investment and investors, I mean, the whole investment community, especially with venture capitalists has, has usually been pretty male dominated as well. And the boards, um, you know, so it's, it's mostly slowly, slowly changing just the thinking and having different perspectives I think I think those are some of the reasons why. Well, and I think there, there's something else that you've recently uh, been a part of that is working to change that and, and to put a spotlight on female leaders. And that's the innovation series at uh, Northern Illinois University. Um, I believe you you spoke as part of that series. So can you share a little bit about that and, and maybe other series out there that might be emerging? Well, uh, Northern Illinois University has uh, had, a, had a new series where they, they promote uh, women innovators and leaders. And uh, one of the areas that they focus on was food and farming this year. And I did I did speak with, uh, you know, as part of that series. And I think it's very positive. It was a really positive opportunity because um, the university is actually developing an incubator and a program in the area of food, um, food innovation. So this is what sparked the series. And I think it says a lot about sort of opportunities that colleges and universities are now picking up. How can we create programs to actually train the next generation of young people to explore opportunities in ag, ag innovation, food innovation? So it was great being able to share um, some of the stories in the book the project and initiative itself kind of share my career with some of the, the younger people out there who wanted to know how this happened. 
I still get asked that a lot. Like, you know, I don't understand how, how you plan this. And I often say I did not plan this actually. Right. <laughs> um, it was not planned. It was also not planned that it would extend to what I call the second phase of pharmacy incubators. Um, so yeah, it was a really wonderful opportunity. Will there, are there other talks in the works? Um, I would, I should also say that I moderated a, panel was called AgriTalks with the uh, Brazilian government. The consulate mm-hmm. of Brazil has held a series of talks about ag tech in big countries, uh, big cities such as New York City, Washington, D.C., Singapore. And I moderated one of the sessions in New York City. And it was fascinating being able to listen and learn about the developments in ag tech in Brazil. And also to understand that, yes, they are also struggling to and seeing, can we get more women at the forefront? Right. So the story was very much the same globally and internationally. We want more women. We want to educate more girls. I think the story seems to have a pattern globally, actually. Well, so, so there's a number of themes that we've, we've gone through. I mean, we, obviously, this is about the emergence of, of agritech and, and females and, and, and farming underrepresented yes. females in farming. The other side yeah. that you did mention was was the capital part because it is expensive. So, you know, in, in these talks, in these audiences, are investors showing up to to listen to smart farming stories and the potential hmm. of, of smart farming, you know, farming yeah. driven by AI? Yeah, investors are are attending, are listening to events and conferences and gatherings related to um, ag tech. And in fact, there are more and more of these gatherings and conferences globally that you'll see, which I didn't see you know, a number of years ago. But whether they're showing up for to invest in uh, female led or, or companies or whether they're investing or interested in those areas, I really can't necessarily answer that to the extent that I'm not, I haven't seen that actively happen uh, yet, but we're, we remain hopeful. What I think is really hopeful is that there are more and more female investors and funds that are led by women mm-hmm. and they're very interested in good innovation, obviously that works but they have another eye out also for smart and talented women. So I do see that emerging also. Um, A a friend of mine or a colleague in this industry of mine, Connie Bowen and her business partner, Suma Reddy started Farmhand Ventures, for example. And I think they're interested in investing in obviously really awesome ag tech companies, but also have a special eye out for women. So that's, those are some examples and that's, that's, that's positive, but I mean, we still need to kind of solve this greater issue of one thing is to have interest, which is wonderful. And we want that to continue. The other thing is actually to get folks to invest. And the third part of that investment is, well, how much, how many of these companies are offering a return? Sure. We have a whole ocean of ag tech startups and I, and which ones will remain. And isn't that always a question with emerging industries? Yes. <laughs> which ones will remain? So, <laughs> Amy, thank you so much for, for this discussion today. And, um, you know, as our time comes to close, comes to a close today, we are in the first week or two of January in 2023. What is next? I mean, you've talked a little bit about, you know, what is next for 
for, for your organization. But, you know, if, if we we're talking a year from now and you look back at 2023, what would you say would really move the needle that you're doing, you know, for, for women innovators in ag tech? I think specifically for from farms to incubators and for myself, uh, it would be to continue telling good stories of women who lead innovation, who are entrepreneurs in the space of food systems. And I continue to want to focus on ag tech. And it would be more specifically to finally put out our audio book. Hmm. We've been working, we've been uh, planning for a while now and to include more voices and to include the voices of the women themselves there so people can actually hear the voices, you know, which which would make them come to life. And I think it would really be to extend the stories way beyond the U.S., but to look at it internationally. I continue to think about the recent trip to Iceland and think to myself that there are many more tomato farms <laughs> out there in countries that you would not have imagined a tomato farm at. And there is a lot of room for innovation, for knowledge at those tomato farms, even in places that you would have never envisioned. So that is the vision 12 months from now is to bring more stories to life, to give people who didn't, who to give these innovators a voice. And often I find that still some, some folks culturally or maybe gender wise are very shy about their stories. So I think it is, it is to give them that voice and to hopefully document what they're doing. So, yeah. Well, I, I think it's a wonderful vision. I think, you know, as we've said, um, we're always going to eat. We need food. It's uh, capital intensive. People are not as engaged in, in hard labor anymore or, or, or manual labor anymore. And um, we, we need this, this ingenious thinking. We need to say hi. We need human ingenuity, the clever inventive thinking. And um, thank you for sharing it. And, and I look forward to catching up again when you have more stories from more uh, tomato farms in different parts of the world. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. Thank you, Ken, very much. If you enjoy this episode and you want to support our show, leave us a review and join our mailing list by visiting www.spider.works. That's S-P-Y-D-E-R.works and subscribe to our channel. Leave us a comment with who we should interview next. Thank you for listening and see you all next Friday.